Hello, and welcome to the Selling St. Pete podcast, your go-to resource for all things real estate and all things St. Pete. I'm your host, Nicole Sanchez. Hello, and welcome to the Selling St. Pete podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Sanchez, and today I'm joined by Nathan Willis with Center Center State Bank. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. So today we're going to be talking about condo financing, but before we start financing, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and what attracted you to the lending industry? Well, I started out in housing. I was working with my father, who was a contractor, and I loved the building side of things, but I eventually drifted to the corporate world and got involved in corporate sales for years. But I found my way back to housing again, but this time on the financial end. So I like banking. Awesome. And how long have you been with Center State? Just this calendar year. Uh, I was with a very large bank before, but uh, what sets them apart is their culture and that's what I really needed. So I'm working with them. Um, They have make sense underwriting. They really, the mantra among banking entities is that uh, the client is number one, but they really live it at Center State Bank and they really have good uh, turn times and good communication with our clients and it's very helpful for doing deals. Absolutely, underwriting is key, especially the earlier you start doing it you know, the more smooth the process is I've found in transactions with customers that I've been working with. So I wanted um, to record an episode specifically on condo financing because there are so many nuances that are different from financing for someone who may be purchasing a, a single family home or a fee simple town home. Con- condos are a whole other beast. So, um, and we have so many condos in St. Pete, whether it's out on the beaches or downtown St. Pete, you know, we have more and more condo buildings going up. So I thought that this episode is um, definitely necessary for people who are looking to purchase in St. Pete. Exactly right. I, uh, up and down the Sun Coast, I'm doing condo loans all the time. So it's, it's a huge opportunity in Florida. Yeah. So what would you say is the biggest difference between financing for a single family home and for a condo? Yeah. Um, They can both be done, like if you put 20% down, it can be done. But you'll notice a sliver higher, just a little sliver higher of a rate with a condo if you do it that way. To get parity with a single family residence, you'd have to put 25% down and that gives you the best of all worlds and it's equal to a single family home. Okay, and but you don't have to put down 20% when no, buying a condo, not. correct? You have, um, you're able to purchase with FHA. FHA, whatever. Yes. But I just noticed that for the rates to have parity with single family home, that happens. To okay. Work. But rates are so good, it's, it's a moot point anyway. Yes, we are having historic lows with rates yes. right now. And I know that, you know, because of that, we've seen our market here in St. Pete specifically, um, a lot of buyers entering the market um, and, and purchasing, taking advantage of those rates. Um, 
when we talk about though buying a condo with an FHA or a VA loan, we know that the options are limited in comparison to other types of lending, whether it's conventional or portfolio lending. Can you talk a little bit about why your options are limited if you're buying a condo with VA or FHA lending? FHA and VA have uh, some somewhat stringent guidelines sometimes. Uh, the, the reserves that a condo holds back from its dues must be 20% with FHA, uh, no more than 10% in arrears on dues from the residents, three years of acceptable financial dogs, uh, they want 50% ownership uh, from, uh, or, or less uh, from, or more, excuse me, from the residents. And 35% uh, is the maximum commercial property that can be in that condo association, that, that grouping. And usually at FHA for condos, they want 43% maximum debt to income ratio, typically. That's what it, it will find. VA loans are much the same. They want to make sure that, um, uh, that at least 50% are owned by the owners that live there. 75% must be sold uh, if it's newly constructed and 10% maximum can be owned by one single entity. So if there are 100 units, 10 units maximum can be owned by one individual or firm. Okay. Um, does that come into play if someone's buying for primary residence? I'm so sorry. Does that come into play um, if a person, a, a borrower, is buying for a primary residence versus exactly. an investment property? Exactly. That, that's the same for either of those. Uh, FHA and VA are only for primary purchases, really, in this, this case, yes. Okay. And um, what typically do condo fees cover, the HOA fees? Yeah, condo fees... Uh, those cover the maintenance of the building, the structure itself, uh, the pool maintenance, the tennis court, if there's a tennis court, um, security, if there are security guards in, in, the, in certain cases. So there are a lot of fee, fees that are covering these things, and flood insurance is a primary one in this county. So uh, most cases, I'll say, flood insurance is covered uh, by the fees. Okay, and you have a different type of homeowner's policy with a condo than you do with a fee simple or single family residence, correct? You're right, you're right. It's called an HO6, and that's for the interior walls for your unit. And it's usually quite a bit, quite a bit less expensive than, than a regular home insurance. Because the structure and the insurance for that would typically be a part of your HOA fees. Yes, yes. Outstanding. And are there any processes or parameters that buyers should be aware of when they're purchasing a condo? Well, do you mean loan to value? What do you mean? Sure. It's anything that might be different from when you're buying a single family home. Like, for instance, a lot of times condos require a buyer to be approved whereas oh, yes. you don't have that with a single-family home. Exactly. And that is a process all condos put people through in order to know the subjects that are living there. And they, they have a certain, you know, standard for their community. That's true. Yes. And, and you find that different buildings have different rules and regulations. Exactly. Um, Some will do a complete background check 
exhaustively. Uh, it just depends on the group. Yeah. And um, can all condos be used as investment properties? You know, we That's see we see a lot of Airbnbs now that yeah. are out there, and people want to purchase them for that. But is that a reality with condos? That's a good question. Um, not all associations will allow for Airbnbs. Very important. Even though it's popular, there are more and more restrictions coming into place. Um, as long as you want to use it for a rental, you can do regular agency loans, conventional loans, and get it done. But the key is what are the guidelines for this specific condo that you're interested in. So they may allow a certain percentage that can be rental, and it could be 50% as a max there, or they could be 20% for all we know. Everyone might have different you know, guidelines within that, those communities. So, But Airbnbs are are slightly fading because more and more condos don't like that kind of traffic. Right. I know in the beaches there, you know, we it's not unusual to see weekly rentals or monthly rentals because of the tourist um, yes. attractions and, and travel that we get. But in That's downtown St. Pete, most of the condo buildings that I'm aware of the max or the minimum rental period is seven months. I don't know, that. I think there are very few that allow less than seven month leases. So that's something to keep in mind if you're looking for an investment property and you're looking for it to be a short term rental, definitely wanna make sure you know the rules and regulations for that specific condo building because it's awesome. very great. That's an awesome point, very true. Yes. Um, how is the underwriting process different for condos or single family? There's something that we need and they're, they're called condo questionnaires because we have to know certain things about the condo. Is it being maintained? Uh, are, is at least 10% of all of the dues that are collected, are they being retained for maintenance, calamities, any kind of catastrophe? Are these things in place? That's important for not only the client, but for the bank itself, so that we're always protected and maintenance can be done needed, maintenance and upgrade. So that's important. Yes, and also whether or not there are any lawsuits or pending litigation. Right. I know exactly. that there have been some lawsuits with some of the condo buildings in the area, and that can definitely impede um, someone who's trying to get financing from being able to purchase um, a condo. Yeah. So, um, what does it mean when a condo is unwarrantable? Oh, that's an interesting term. Unwarrantable, first of all, means it's probably not completed yet. Um, entities that own within it's five to 20 units, only two units maximum can be used by, are owned by one entity. If it's 21 units and greater, then only 20% as a max can be owned by uh, one entity. A deviation on any of these makes it unwarrantable. Okay. So many times they'll start one of these projects and the developer may own half of them. Mm -hmm. It's a non-warrantable condo until he sells off down to these minimums. There are a couple of other things. It has to be, uh, if it's not less than 25% delinquency uh, on the HOA fees, meaning people are behind more than 60 days. If it's, uh, if it's more than that 
25% amount, it becomes non-warrantable. Okay. Uh, the HOA is controlled by the residents. It's non-warrantable. All non-warrantable is telling you is that it's just not meeting all the parameters that FHA or VA, uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, all of them put down as safe parameters to give them a net safety. And so that's very important. Uh, if it's greater than 35% of the space in that whole development is used as commercial, mm, that becomes non-warrantable. Okay. Condo hotels, condo hotels, usually non-warrantable. Too much of the space is dedicated to commercial. Um, anything like timeshares, uh, if you have to have a golf club membership to live there, non-warrantable. Okay. These become demands that are that based on the warrantable guidelines, they think are beyond what are, is acceptable to lenders nationwide. And is, is it possible to get financing on condos that are unwarrantable? Yes, all day long, all day long, but not with, with institutions like ours. National banks, banks do not deviate from that. We will for our private banking clients because they're in a unique wealth management position. Mm -hmm. But by and large, no one will put that on their own books. These are for portfolio lenders, private lenders, who exclusively will deviate from all of those parameters and lend on those, but don't expect rates in the 2% range. See, it's gonna be a whole different world, quite rate-wise, uh, for those types of purchases. Got it. And, and condo hotels, would those fall into non-warrantable? Yeah, because you look at the commercial space percentage, it's probably going to be over 35% that's dedicated to some form of commercial in some way or another. That's definitely a unique um, property that I didn't even know existed prior to living in Florida. And I don't know how many states outside of Florida have condo hotels. I would imagine states that have a lot of tourism. But, um, you know, as, as the name alludes, it's sort of, it's a condo, but it's also like a hotel where people can rent it on a daily or weekly basis. Exactly. But the owner gets a good portion of the rental um, price as you know to offset their mortgage or to to um, profit off of you know renting that out but as the owner at least most of the buildings here they're capped to a certain number of days if they want to use it for their own personal use they have a, a limited number of days that they can use that um, but it's a great way to test the market if you're thinking of getting an investment property or a second yes. home or a vacation home, you can do yeah. that and still be able to benefit from other people using it. Yeah. Um, so why does the reserve balance on a condo budget matter to the lender? That's a good point. It's like, what business is it of ours? <laughs> but you see, this is an indicator. These are litmus tests for the responsibility of that association. How responsible are they? How good are they in maintaining and taking care of this investment? That's what it purely comes down to when you're lending, is how well is our investment and the client's investment maintained? 
So it shows that they have enough for emergencies and to protect them, to maintain the structure, to keep the innate value of the whole property up, maintaining the roads and the plant life and the pools and everything, keeping the quality because all of this becomes part of the overall, you know, actual value of each unit. If the roads, pool, the tennis court, security is not maintained, all of this is affected. And for homeowners who are about to list a condo for sale, it's important for them to include certain documentation, like the current copy of the Declaration of Condominium, Articles of Incorporation, the bylaws, the rules and regulations of the association, the frequently asked questions, and a copy of the most recent year in financial information because um, buyers should get that as soon as a contract goes into effect um, because buyers have a three-day rescission period to cancel that contract um, within three days of getting those documents. So if you wait until the end of the transaction to hand over those documents, you leave yourself um, open to having that canceled because they may not like the information that's in the documents, or the lender may not approve it based on the information that's in yep. those documents. Good point. Um, let's see. What is your, have in, in terms of buying condos, do you ever recommend to a buyer that they attend a board meeting um, for the building that they're going to be purchasing? I've never suggested that, but what a good idea. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's a great idea. Especially if you know that one's going to be coming up, it might be yes. a good idea. Um, I would recommend, if, if there's not one scheduled, to at least get a copy of the minutes from the most recent board meeting because that would be able to tell you whether there are any potential assessments coming up or litigation. Um, while we're talking about assessments, can you talk about what those are and how those could have an impact on lending? That's a good point. They're going to find out whether there are imminent assessments coming. So that becomes a real cost for a home ownership. And so it has to be factored in some way or another. If the association is not covering that, purely and then it's going to be assessed to the homeowner something's got to be factored in to say can you cover that or will we amortize it as a part in our minds in our factors as a part of your payment can you handle that extra debt debt it may only be a couple thousand dollars for a new decks or whatever but it could be substantial so yeah, yeah those have to be weighed I know that there have been a couple of substantial ones in downtown St. Pete fairly recently with the decks being um, bolstered at Signature. They, they had an, uh, an assessment for a while and Bayfront Towers had one with their renovation that they've done on, on their building and some people are putting in new windows. and. Um, but you know those can be fairly substantial and be over a long period of time as well. You know, six, ten, fifteen years sometimes. Yeah. 
something uh, to watch. Yeah. And um, I guess my last point about um, amenities and condos is not every condo has the same amenities, right? You have some, like you mentioned, that have pools or tennis courts or are gated or have 24-hour doormen, and then others don't. And the, the amount of amenities and the... Um, I guess how luxurious those amenities are, those are gonna play a part in what your monthly condo and HOA fees are. Um, and, and I've seen fees as low as $200 a month to as high as $1,500 a month. So it really depends on what you're getting in terms of those amenities. Um, and I would also recommend doing a little bit of research on the property management company that is in charge of managing the condo or the association um, because those can change from time to time, obviously, as um, owners vote on who is managing that, but they can also play a big part in how comfortable you are in your home, in your condo. Right. Because if you have one that's a little more laissez-faire and, you know, sort of anything goes, or you have one that's very strict and, you know, doesn't um, allow for certain things. So you definitely want to make sure that you're comfortable with what will be required of you as a homeowner in that condo. One point that comes up again and again is also flood insurance. Who's paying for it? And a homeowner association will usually pay for it because it's their structure that they're responsible for. Typically, that's made for the twos. But more and more, I'm finding these little condominiums that require each individual unit to pay for their own flood insurance. I'm very surprised. That used to be a, a given before. So don't walk into it assuming that the association pays for it. That's a specific question to ask. When you're finding that they're asking for um, specific unit owners to have a flood policy, is that for contents only? Or are they expecting for that policy to also cover some structural elements as well? Well, it's the value, up to the value of all that I know, uh, the value of the unit. So oh, wow. whatever that is. So it's beyond just the contents, which is interesting. I've not heard that, so that's good to hear. I did have a condo um, in North St. Pete that was in a um, flood zone, but the association had voted not to carry flood insurance. And so it, um, it really limited the, people who could buy the property because it basically was cash only because no one could get financing by not having flood insurance and it was cost prohibitive for one person to carry a, a master flood policy on an entire condo building. Exactly. So yeah, definitely make sure you know what's required um, when you are considering buying a condominium. And to be clear, I'm still thinking upper 90%, see, 97% plus the 
it's always covered by the association. But there are more and more. Yeah. So, yeah. To be aware. That's right. Buyer beware. Mm-hmm. Um, well, is there anything that you think we may have omitted when it comes to condo financing? Just an awesome business. It's an awesome opportunity for people. They should feel just as secure investing in a condo as they would a single family home. There's. That you should be just as secure as just making sure the association is working for you. Awesome. Taking care of the budgetary items. What would you say, what percentage of your business is condos versus? Um, that's funny. I moved down here from near um, the Chicago region, north, the northern Indiana area, and condo business there for me was 10%. I came down here, it's easily 25%. Some seasons it could be close. It's interesting. It's just there's so much availability and it's in such demand. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And yeah. if people are interested in reaching out to you um, to talk about financing, whether it's for condos or single family homes or doctor loans, um, what is the best way to get in touch with you? Usually just by my cell phone. Uh, that's 260-418-3742. Outstanding. And I will also make sure that that information is in the show notes. And thank you so much, Nathan, for joining me thank today. You. Thank you for having me. It was a great conversation. Absolutely. Have a great week. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you can listen to future episodes. And if you have a show topic that you'd like to share with me or have a real estate related question that you'd like to ask, I'd love to hear it. You can call or text me at 719 719- 201-5022 or you can reach me via email at nicole at sellingstpetefl.com that's n-i-c-o-l-e at s-e-l-l-i-n-g s-t-p-e-t-e-f-l dot com <laughs>